Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, I got to tell you something. You, you know, sometimes you, 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 I just feel the love of people. You know, like for example, I, I, you're doing the advertisement on the screen about Penny's pouches. So I leaned over and I said to Peter, I said, you know, I said, they call them Penny's pouches. And I'm just tired of not getting any credit here, though. I have to go get the rice. I have to haul the rice. I have to take the rice home. I got to carry it into the house. I have to fill bags. I have to turn the bags inside out, right side in, whatever you do. Then I got to carry the boxes. Then I got to carry the boxes home from what doesn't sell. He says, yeah, you got a Penny's pouch. And he pointed to my stomach. That was just rude, wasn't it? And speaking of an adversary, I'm going to speak about the devil today. <laughs> Listen, come on. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you're saying pastor's all wound up today. Listen to me. I can't help but scream. Come on. Come on. Maybe, maybe, maybe you weren't redeemed and brought through 16 molestations and six DUIs and four rehabs and a myriad of other things. But let me tell you something. You were dying and going to hell, lost in your sin. And now you're not. Come on. My God is too good. All right. Well, we're doing a sermon series that's entitled The Answer. That this Christmas season, God put it on my heart to preach a series based upon that Jesus was God's answer. He birthed him into the world to be an answer for our sin, an answer to the adversary, an answer to death. That, that Jesus is truly the answer. And, and this morning, I'm going to talk to you in the message, the title of this morning's message is God's answer for your adversary. Jesus is God's answer for your adversary. How many of you know you have an adversary? Right? First Peter tells us what? Be a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, come on. So it tells you that you have an adversary. It tells you who the adversary is. Aren't you glad the adversary isn't your Neighbor, some of you are thinking about your neighbor right now. Hmm. Aren't you glad it's not your coworker? Aren't you glad it's not a Democrat or Republican? <laughs> Aren't you glad that your adversary isn't somebody sitting next to you, unless you were sitting next to Peter? He, he identifies him, your adversary, the devil, roars around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So in that one verse, Peter says, you have an adversary, tells you who he is, tells you what he's like, and tells you what he's looking to do, to destroy you, to devour you. Let me talk to you for a few moments this morning that um, I got a lot to say this morning. I got six sermons in one. I'll try to get it down to like three, all right? But I want you to, I want to set a little bit of a the stage of where we're going for the answer. And, and so the first thing I want you to know this morning is this. Before he was your adversary, before he was man's adversary, Satan was God's adversary. How many know he wasn't your adversary first? He was, your, he was God's adversary first. Let me remind you of a scripture that's, uh, that says, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who are weak in the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. You see, you have to understand that there was Lucifer. Lucifer was a created angel. It was a created angel by God, created by God 
who was, the name actually means to be a light bringer, all right? It actually means to be son of the dawn, the morning star, all right? And he was uh, created by God, for God, for God's purpose, for God's glory, all right? And yet something happened. Something happened where he rebelled against God and then tried to unseat God, all right? Now, I want you to know this. Before man rebelled, before man rebelled against God on earth, Satan rebelled against God in heaven. All right? How many know that rebellion didn't start on the earth? Rebellion started in heaven by Lucifer, by Satan, against God, to usurp God's throne, to take God's throne, to come against God, to withstand against God. All right? And, and in so doing, he became God's adversary. Your adversary, you have an adversary because God has an adversary. You say, why does he hate me? Because he hates God. How many know you're create God's creation? How many know you're the affection of God? You're the apple of God's eye. He loves you. Therefore, he hates what God loves. He comes against that which God loves. All right? Let me set this up. So in the scripture, then, you're going to find a number of different ways that the Bible refers to our adversary. One of those is the word, the, the word Satan. It occurs 53 times in 47 verses in the Bible. All right? The primary idea of the word Satan is adversary or one who withstands. Devil is another word, diabolos, which means slanderer or defamer. Let me tell you, there's two ways, there's two things he slanders. One is he wants to slander God. All right? Make no mistake about it. How many times the enemy in our lives wants to slander and malign God to us? And yet at the same token, how many know he's also a slanderer of you? All right? Serpent, we'll see the serpent, the, the, the name for Satan looks back to the account in Genesis 3 and the temptation in the garden. It's to remind us of the crafty deception in God. How many of you know that if, if, <laughs> if we knew what the devil was telling us was true, how many know we wouldn't believe him, but yet we believe his deception is what we end up believing. He's a deceiver, all right? The evil one, in those two passages, he's described as the evil one, the Greek adjective, which means wicked, evil, bad, base, worthless, vicious, or degenerate. There's another term that used dragon. The word dragon is to refer to a hideous monster or a large serpent. Another phrase we found in the Bible is prince or ruler of the world. All right. Now, these are different terms that we see throughout the scripture. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to do a, this is not going to be a lesson on Satan. This is going to be a message about the answer to Satan, an answer to the adversary. So you see that when we begin and we look at the beginning, that he became God's adversary in heaven, rebelled against God. Now he is your adversary, my adversary. He was all of humanity's adversary. All right. And let me say this to you. So one of the things I'm going to start with this morning is this. We've got to understand something. Well, let me go there. Now, when you look at the actions of the devil through the scripture, here's what you see. Genesis three, he tempted Adam and Eve. First Chronicles chapter 21, he was the one who incited David to count the men when he wasn't supposed to. Job, you see where he attacks Job. Zechariah, he brings accusations against Joshua the high priest. In Matthew 4, he's the tempter of Jesus. In Matthew 16, he's the one who hindered, uh, he was hindering, causing Peter to try to stop Jesus from going to Jerusalem. In Mark chapter 4, he's the one who steals the word. In Luke 13, he was the one who bound the woman with sickness. In Luke 22, he's the one who enters Judas to betray Jesus. 
In Luke 22, he also is the one who asked to sift Peter, to sift him as wheat. All right, and the goal of Satan in your life is to get you to rebel against God, to join him in his rebellion to God. How many know rebellion is joining Satan in his coup against God? Is to get you to reject God's word. It's to get you to regard God as he wants you to regard him. You see, he wants to ruin you. He wants to discourage you. He wants to hinder you. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He works to destroy. He works to slander you. He works to slander God. Simply put, your adversary is constantly working to oppose God, all right, to oppose you and to oppose all that is good. That's what he does. Now, let me remind you of a verse that we looked at last week. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 said what? And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He, meaning Jesus, shall bruise you on the head, and you shall strike him on the heel. Now, so get this. So we look at this. We have this adversary who was first God's adversary becomes man's adversary. His first work that we see on the earth is in Genesis chapter 3. And in that chapter 3, we see where God says, now I have an answer for you, serpent. And his, that answer is going to come as a seed of the woman one day. In that scripture, we see a prophetic prophecy, promise, a prophetic judgment coming to the serpent, and a promise coming to God's people. But let me take you to another verse. Now, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says this. The one who practices sin of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. Now get this. Now listen to this. Listen to this. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> listen to me. Go back to Genesis 3, and you see the work of the enemy beginning in God's creation. And now what you see, listen to me for a moment. Now God makes a prophetic promise that one day the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. And now first John is saying, guess what? Jesus appeared. And the reason that he appeared is to destroy the works of the devil. Come on. See, that's where it gets really good. We see the works of Satan throughout scripture, but we see Jesus in this verse. God's answer for the devil's work is Jesus. God's answer for the works of the devil was Jesus. Now, think about these words for just a moment that that verse shows us. Appeared, manifest, visible, to become known. Jesus became known. Jesus became visible. God became visible. To destroy, that word means, and we're going to come back to that moment, to loose any person tied or fastened, to melt away, to melt chains away, to break chains away. Uh, It means to, to, um, to destroy laws as having a binding force. It means to do away with, to deprive of authority, whether by precept or act. It means to declare unlawful. So Jesus appeared for the purpose of loosing things that are tied, fastened, or bound. He appeared to dismantle laws that have a binding force. He appeared to do away with or deprive of authority by by his actions. And to destroy the works. The works is that business employment that one is occupied. How many know the enemy has an occupation as a destroyer? The enemy has an occupation as a slanderer, a murderer, an accuser, and all the other things we can put to that. All right? Now, Jesus appears to be the answer to the adversary. He appears 
to destroy the works of the one who withstands, the slanderer and the murderer. I have an adversary, you have an adversary, but I have an answer for him, and his name is Jesus. Man's problem was an adversary, but the answer to man's problem is Jesus. Now, let me give you just a few things. I'm going to try to go like really fast, probably not. But I want to tell you that God put some things in my heart that I want you to see that we've got to understand Jesus being the answer to. First of all, is Jesus is the answer to the adversary's picture of God. How many of you know there's a way that the devil wants you to see God? How many of you know he wants to paint the picture of what God looks like? He wants you to have an image of God that he establishes for you. Uh, let me give it to you like this, okay? So, all right. So now, some crazed lunatic, demonic-filled lunatic, gets into a hotel, takes a gun, shoots 500-some people, kills 50-some people, and now who gets the blame? God. Where is God? Why didn't God stop us? God must not be all-powerful. God must not be good. How many of you have ever had something bad in your life, and then you look at God and say, where were you? Satan wants you to make a decision on God's goodness and nature through his diabolical work. Okay? He will fill a man with hate and evil, and God gets the blame for not stopping him. Therefore, people will say he can't be all-powerful. He can't be all-good. He wants you to see God through his handiwork. He wants you to define God through it. All right? Why? I can't answer all the whys that some things happen. All right? I can't answer all the whys as to things, why things happen but I can answer what God is truly like. You see, there's a picture of God that we need to get that does not come through the painting of the evil one's work. Think about this for a moment. One of the things that Satan wants to do is pervert, distort, corrupt your view of God's goodness. He does wrong and wickedness and causes things to happen to you so that you will question the goodness of God. When God is viewed through the work of Satan, God becomes an ugly God. When I view the work, when I view God through the spectrum of Satan's works, I look at him as saying, well, he must be arbitrary. He must not be good. He must not be all powerful. He must not be this. He must not be that. All of a sudden, we get a picture of God painted by the devil. He's going, <laughs> sucker. Right? Think about this for a minute. So how do I get a picture of God? How do I get this picture of God? Jesus is the answer to what God looks like. All right, you, you want to know what God is like? You've got to read the Gospels and look at Jesus. Because I mean, you know, Jesus was the exact representation of God. How does God relate to a sinner? Pick up the Bible and look at what Jesus did. How does God, rep, re, how does God relate to a prostitute? Well, let's see what Jesus is. How does God relate to an adulteress? Let's look at Jesus. How does God relate to self-righteousness? Let's look at what Jesus is. The picture of God cannot be the works of evil, but it must be the son of righteousness. It must be. He is the exact representation of the Father. Now, listen to me. It works this way, too. How many know sometimes religion has painted a picture of an ugly God? Hmm? Well... <laughs> we won't go too far into that this morning. But sometimes we painted a God who's angry, mean, unloving. Rejects people. It's just not who he is. 
What does God think of sinners? He died with them. What did he think of sinners? He died with them. He hung out with them. He loved them. What did he think of a leper? He had compassion and healing on him. What does God think of broken people? He has compassion on broken people. Listen to me for a minute. This has nothing to do with the sermon. Well, maybe it does. How many of you have people in your life you love who frustrate you? <laughs> How many of you, they're, they're, the things that they do are things that are causing chaos and harm and problems for you and their whole families? And they frustrate you and you get angry and you just... And then you get resentful and bitter towards them. Let me tell you, I'll give you a remedy that'll help you not become resentful and bitter towards them. Is when you can view them through the eyes of compassion of Christ. When you can view them through the eyes of a compassionate Christ that sees their brokenness, you can then walk away without resentment and bitterness in your life. If you can't see them as broken, if you can't see them as lost, if you can't expect people without Christ to do Christless things, if you can't do that, if you can't view them through the prism that is Jesus' compassion, you'll be angry, bitter, resentful, condemning. But the moment that you can view them through his compassion, it will change how you react. It will just change it. You see, his goal is to get a world to view God through his evil works. But we must not define God by the work of the devil. But rather, we must define God through the life of Christ. Jesus is the definer of who God is. Can I say to you, well, you can't even look at the lives of Paul, Peter, James, and John, and the others to define God. Because how many know even they fell short? If you want a picture of God, do not allow the devil to paint it, but look at the life of Christ. Jesus is the answer to the adversary's picture of God. Jesus is the answer to the oppression of the adversary. Come on. You know what the Bible says? Let me give you a couple of verses, all right? There was a woman in Luke chapter 13 that Jesus went into a synagogue, and she was sick, and she was um, bound, all right? And she was sick, and she could not straighten up for 18 years, I think it was. And Jesus saw her. It's on the Sabbath. He calls her out and he heals her on the Sabbath. And how many know that when you do things against the religious traditions, how many know that you'll find the devil there? (laughs) The devil likes church. The devil likes religion. The devil likes lifeless religious traditions. Because how many know, had they adhered to the lifeless religious tradition, the woman would have never left the temple free. I can't stand lifeless religious tradition that leaves people in a bound state. Jesus shows up. Jesus goes into a temple. Jesus speaks a word. And here's what he said in verse 16. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years. Satan has bound. Listen to me this morning. The source of her sickness was not God. The source of her sickness was the devil. And Jesus says, I'm here. I'm the answer to oppression. I'm going to set her free. And I've got to say to you this morning, hear me this morning. There are people in this place this morning that you have been oppressed by the devil. And my God has an answer. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He sits at the right hand of God. And today he has freedom for you. 
He has freedom for you today. He's melting the chains. He'll melt the chains. He'll break the chains. They'll, they'll melt his wax. Not because of Pastor Jim, but because of Jesus. In Acts chapter 10, Peter tells us what? He says, the word you know, which was proclaimed throughout Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. All who were oppressed by the devil. That word, now go back, go back to the scripture that Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil. That word destroy meant to loose, to make free, to unbind. This word oppress means to exercise harsh control over one. To exercise harsh control over people. To oppress one. To take and to bind. To oppress. To hold you down. To hold you prisoner. To hold you captive. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible tells me that I have an answer for that oppression. And the answer to that oppression is Jesus who breaks and does and undoes and unlooses that which binds you. How many know there's a lot of things that can bind? How many know there's addiction can bind? How many know religion can bind you up? How many know this morning that there's a lot of things, hurt, offense? How many know there's sins that you can get oppressed by? How many know there's sickness that you can get oppressed by? But the Bible tells me my God provided an answer to oppression and his name is Jesus. We sang about it this morning. The song was no accident. Now, Troy and I didn't plan it. We'll believe the Holy Spirit planned it. Right? He's the answer to the oppression in your life. Jesus is the answer to that oppression. Think about this for a moment. How many of you have tried to get free of oppression on your own strength, only to find yourself more bound than that oppression? I want you to know something this morning. I don't know what might be coming against you. I don't know what might be binding you. I don't know what may, might have you bound. I don't know what might have you oppressed. But I got to tell you something. I know who your liberator is, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to the authority of our adversary. You say, wait a minute. He don't have no authority. I mean, no, he had authority. Hmm? Let me remind you of scripture. Scripture found in the Gospels where Jesus went up to be tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give you. I'll give you the authority I have over all of these nations in the world. There's only one thing you got to do. You see, he said, because all authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. Bow down to me, and I'll give you the authority that was given to me. I'll give you the authority over the kingdoms of this world. For it has been delivered to me. How many know it was delivered to him in the garden? That word. Now, let me, let me take you back to that 1 John three eighteen To destroy the works of the devil, that word destroy, one of the meanings was to do away with or to, to deprive of authority. <laughs> Get this, okay? So God has this 
chump running around the earth called the devil who has authority and he's got authorities over the kingdoms of the world and he uses this authority in a diabolical fashion to bind and oppress and all the other things he does. Now God says, but I'm going to send uh, Jesus, I'm going to send the seed of the woman, my answer to the adversary and when he comes, guess what he's going to do? He's going to deprive him of the authority he has. He's going to take it from him and take it upon himself. How many know this morning that your adversary has no authority in your life? He doesn't. He has no authority. He might be there, but he has no authority to be there. The problem is, listen to me this morning. The problem is we want to give him more credit for more authority than he actually has. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The devil this, the devil that, the devil this, the devil that. He's the answer to the adversary authority. Can you remember what Jesus said? Remember, let me remind you of a verse. You know this verse. You've heard it. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. You see, the Gospels start off in Matthew. And the Gospels start off with the devil saying, Hey, guess what? All authority has been delivered to me. If you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you this authority. But the fact of the matter is, we close out the gospel of Matthew with Jesus making a statement. Oh, by the way, all authority belongs to me now. Think about this. The adversary, how did the adversary gain that authority? The adversary gained authority through treachery, deceit, and rebellion. Jesus gained authority through righteousness, truth, and submission. How many of you would like to have more authority in your life? Wow, no control freaks in here, just a few of us. (laughs) Okay, let me stop there for a moment. I'll have to drink a coffee while I ponder this one. It's not tea. Do you know when you drink pour over, you're supposed to slurp it? Oh, now some of you are like, oh, he's being such an idiot. Would you relax? Would you just relax? Relax. It's okay to have a little fun. It breaks up the monotony. Think about this. Let me ask you a question for those of you who didn't respond. Why don't you want more authority? Why don't you want more authority of God? Why don't you want expanded authority in your life? Why not? I do. How do I get it? How do I get it? Same way Jesus got it. The same way Jesus got it. Submission. Because God gives authority to those who come under authority. If you won't come under authority, God will not entrust you with authority. If you're my kid and you won't submit to my authority, you're not getting more of my authority. Nobody should ever be in authority in a church who won't come under the authority of God. Satan wanted authority. He wanted God's throne. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be the boss. He didn't get it in heaven. He's on the earth. He comes to man. He uses treachery, deceit, and he uses rebellion to gain authority. And any authority you ever get in that fashion will be taken by somebody who has true authority one day. 
is all authority belongs to me. Jesus is the answer to the authority the adversary says he has. Let me give you another one. Jesus is the answer to the adversary's use of God's law. How many know the enemy uses God's law? How many know God's law is perfect? It's righteous. It's just. How many know Jesus fulfilled that law? All right. How many know, first of all, this one. How many know in the garden, man sinned before there was the law of God? Even before there was the law that was given of Moses. But I want you to think about this. The enemy, when you and I would break the law of God, could come to God and use his law against us to make an accusation. All right, let me give it to you like this. There's two strategies, I believe, when it comes to God's law. All right, the first of those is, was before Christ, okay? Before Calvary, the enemy used the law as a basis of accusation to condemn God's people. Before Calvary, all right, the law was used by the enemy as a basis of accusation against God's people. Because why? Because God's law was holy, it was righteous, it was perfect, right? And now, if you break the law, I can bring you as a prosecuting attorney into that court of law, and I can say, here it is, right here, they broke this statute, right here, they deserve to be punished. Peter broke the law. He was going 72 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. Okay, throw him in jail, we'll let him out sometime next year. Right? You see, because the, the power of the prosecuting attorney is to have the law on their side. And so, like I said, so before, before Calvary, the enemy can look and point to God's law and use it as a basis to accuse God's people. So the enemy would use the law as a basis of accusation to condemn God's people. But listen to me for a moment. But here's the problem. After Calvary, here's the other strategy he uses now. After Calvary... The adversary uses the law as a means of depriving God's people of salvation that came through Jesus. All right. After Calvary, the adversary uses the law as a means of depriving God's people of salvation that came through Jesus. What does he do? Oh, well, it's Calvary plus this. It's Calvary plus that. All of a sudden, we have people wanting to live according to the law that Jesus fulfilled on Calvary's cross. And that's just as wrong as the other, right? So all of a sudden, here's God's law, which is righteous, holy, and perfect, that the enemy can use against God's people to bring condemnation. But all of a sudden, here comes Christ. And let me give it to you out of Colossians. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, 
having forgiven all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he's taken out of the way, nailed it to the cross. And when he nailed it to the cross, how many of you know he disarmed the principalities and the powers and he made a public spectacle of them. So when Jesus goes to the cross, he fulfills the law which stood against us that the devil used against us. He said, I have fulfilled it. I'm nailing it to the cross and I'm making a public spectacle of him who uses it against you. All right, that's what he did. But now, so now the devil says, wait, 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 let me flip the script. I can't use that. Now I'll use it to get them to miss salvation that came through grace and faith in Jesus. Listen to me. How long has he been taking the church and perverting the gospel message with legalism? Perverting the gospel message by trying to get us. Listen to me. I understand that we're to live a holy life. But the holy life we live is a result of Calvary and a result of salvation, not an attempt to get it. It's not an attempt to get it. And anytime you're using it as an attempt to get it, you're stepping into the devil's scheme of using the law as a means of depriving God's people of salvation that came through Jesus. Let me tell you something this morning. Jesus kept the law for you. He fulfilled the law for you. He was the answer to the enemy's use of God's law. Got another one. And I'll be done in another like hour or so. The Bible describes him as the accuser of the brethren. How many of those also the accuser of God? The slanderer. Jesus is the answer to the accusation of the adversary. I love this part. We see him. If you go into the scripture, you'll find him bringing an accusation against Job. Ah, oh, you know, he's because you put a hedge of protection around him. How I many know that accusation against God, uh, Job, was actually still an accusation against God? Then you see him in Zechariah 3, standing beside Joshua the high priest, bringing accusation and slander. All right? Revelation chapter 12 tells us that he is the accuser of the brethren. Let me read you scripture. Revelation chapter 12. Then another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon. I mean, we're talking about Satan. Having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. And when she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had to be prepared by God. So there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. Hmm. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who's called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night. 
This is so good. This is so stinking good. Say stinking good. Because <laughs> if it's stinking good, it's really good. <laughs> Listen to me. So you're reading the scripture. You see the serpent. You see Satan, the dragon. You see Mary giving birth to Jesus. Jesus was the son, was the male child who's to roll all the nations with a rod of iron. And you see this and you see Satan trying to destroy him. When he, how many know that's a picture of Herod destroying all the babies and trying to destroy Jesus when he was born into the world? All right. And then the Bible says that the, the male child ascended to and caught up to God into his throne. How many know right now Jesus, when his extension, is now at the right hand of God the Father, at the throne of God? Now get this. So Jesus is the answer to the accuser of the brethren. Why? Why? Because listen to me. This is so good. Get ready. This is so stinking good. The reason that he's the answer to the accuser is because the accuser was tossed out of heaven. Do you understand what the scripture is saying here? Listen to me. The answer to the accuser, because the, because here's what it says. And let me find it. Let me, let me read it to you. And the great dragon was thrown down. All right, verse, right before that, dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the dragon was thrown down, and the serpent of old, who's called the devil and Satan, who deceives the world, was thrown down to earth. Listen to me this morning. Jesus is the answer to the accuser because the accuser now has no place in heaven, has no access. I, can't bring ac- I cannot bring an accusation against you if I don't have access to your judge. We see him having access in the Old Testament, but I don't see him having access after this point. All right? Listen to me. The accuser of the brother. This is, this is where it's really good. Jesus is the answer to the accusation of the adversary because the adversary no longer has access to heaven. The adversary has now been replaced by the advocate. I, have, I, I had an accu- accuser that would come into the place of God, into the presence of God, would accuse me night and day, night and day, night and day, until all of a sudden, guess what? Somebody got their butt kicked and the advocate took his place at the throne room of God. Do you want... <laughs> Listen to me. And all of a sudden, now, now this is amazing to me. If I, I, I have to have access to bring that accusation. If I don't have access, I can't bring the accusation. If I don't have access to the judge, I can't bring an accusation about you to him. If I want to come and tell you, mom and dad, and bring an accusation to you about your children, how many know I have to have access to you? But if I don't have access to you, I'm not bringing an accusation. The only one he has access now, to now is you. How many know? How many have ever heard the accusation of the enemy? Hmm? The, listen to me. The accuser of the brethren cannot bring to God an accusation of you breaking the law when Jesus fulfilled the law. When I am in Christ and I receive his salvation, how many of you know this morning that he can't bring an accusation of me breaking the law because I fulfilled the law through Christ? The accuser has been disarmed. 
He's been disarmed. He may not like the manner on which it was fulfilled, but he cannot refute that it was fulfilled. And since he can't, since he cannot win the battle in the court of heaven, now he will come and try to win it in the court of your mind, in the court of a public opinion, in the court of your heart. He will now come to you and try to do to you what he cannot do in heaven. And to get you to walk in guilt, shame, condemnation, those things aren't from God. Shame-based gospel is not God. A guilt-based gospel is not God. A condemnation-based gospel is not God. He'll bring it to you to render you guilty in your own eyes, but he can't take it to God because Christ fulfilled it. And now you've been covered in his blood, deemed guilty, but forgiven, justified. Now you live under the advocate, not the accuser. Oh, I'd much rather have an advocate than an accuser. You live under the intercessor, not the prosecutor. (laughs) I got an advocate, baby. I got an intercessor. The next time he comes and starts bringing accusations to me or to you, this is what you tell him. Hey, pal, go tell it to the judge. And then you go, oh, wait, you can't. (laughs) You can't. Sorry. Or maybe you say, hey, shut up. Go tell it to the judge. And he says, I can't. (laughs) Come on. The accuser has been cast down, the Bible says. The Bible says the accuser of the brethren has been tossed out. Because listen to what. Why was he tossed out? Because it was replaced with what? Now. Everybody say now. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Have come. Not will come. Have come. His salvation is now. His kingdom is now. His power is now. His authority is now. And the accuser has been thrown down. Oh, I love it. I love it. You see, Christmas, we celebrate Christmas. Baby born in a manger. The baby in the manger was God's answer. It was God's answer for our sin. It was God's answer to the adversary who stands against us, who stands with, and withstands us. You see, Satan was first God's adversary and became our adversary. And the work of the adversary in our lives. But the Bible tells us Jesus is the answer who came to destroy the works of the devil. That he appeared to destroy oppression and temptation and slander and accusation and attacks and the the stealing and the killing and the destroying and the distortion of God, the picture of God he's wanted to paint. Jesus, God's answer, would become the slayer of the dragon. He would become the liberator in the face of oppression. He'd become the advocate for the accused. He would become the intercessor for the needy. God sent his baby in a manger to become the one who would destroy the works of the devil. The answer to the serpent, the answer to the slanderer, the intercessor for humanity, the advocate, like I already said, the one who would be the answer for demonic strongholds, 
All right, how did he do that? He destroyed those works through his life, his death, his resurrection, and his extension to the right hand of God. Now, now, how do I live now in light of all that? Now, I'm free because of what Jesus did. I put my faith in what Jesus did. I don't have more faith in the devil than I do Jesus. Some people got more faith in the devil than they do Jesus. Now I'm free from oppression because of Jesus. 16 people can molest me, but I can be free because of Jesus. I can go through four rehabs and not find freedom that I find in Jesus. Now I'm free from the consequences of the law of God because of Jesus. Now now I'm free and now I can overcome temptation because Jesus overcame temptation. I can overcome the hindrances in my life. I can, I'm free from the accusation of the devil. I'm not telling you you're not in a war this morning because how many know you're still in a war this morning? Let me, let me remind you what Revelation chapter 12 says. In Revelation chapter 12, that phenomenal portion of Scripture, at the end of it, so the dragon was enraged, enraged, and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. What you are in is not a blueprint of God. You're in a war that's been waged by the enemy. God didn't wage the war. The enemy waged the war. But God is at war with the enemy. You see, now I'm free from the accusation. Now I'm in a war, but I know the ultimate conquest is coming. I'm in a war, but my Redeemer, come on, come on. I'm in a war, but how many know that my Redeemer is coming? You see, here's the cool thing about it. It's now, because my, my, my adversary was once cast down from heaven to earth. And then he, he was cast out of heaven, first of all. And then he was cast down as the accuser out of heaven. How many know there's going to be another casting down when Jesus comes back, grabs him by the neck, and says, get into the abyss where you belong. Jesus is the answer to our adversary. The work of Satan. Let me say this and I'll be done. Another half hour. We see Satan's work every day in our country, in the world. The work of Satan is to divide through political divide in our country. But let me tell you something. The day is going to come when the problems of politics are going to bow to the answer of Jesus. The work of Satan is to divide through racial tensions in our land. The day is going to come when for a moment racism is going to bow at the feet of the one who purchased every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Racism is the work of Satan through people. And I want to scream sometimes and say, wake up, people. See the scheme of the enemy. He's the answer to the, some of the raging debates in our country that want to divide us over so many, you know, we, we, we got a raging debate over whether we're going to sit and kneel or stand over a flag. How many of the flags a scheme? Let me show you the big picture. Stop being so myopic and focusing upon a flag and a country, but let me show you the scheme of the devil to divide a country. He will use anything and everything at his disposal 
to divide a country. I'm not saying that you cannot have an opinion on what you think should happen. But what I am telling you is you cannot act unchristlike in the midst of it. That's what I am telling you. You see, because the uniter of a nation isn't a flag, it's a savior. It's not a flag lifted up on a flagpole. It's a savior lifted up on a Calvary. That's the uniter of a nation. The baby born in a manger is a better answer than any man in a White House. I'm telling you. <laughs> Whether it's Trump, Obama, Billy, George, Chuck. I don't care. Pick one of them. Pick one of them. I don't care. Love them. They're not greater than Jesus. The baby in a manger is the answer to the division and denominations in the church. Because when Jesus finally gets lifted up to where he should be, the pet doctrines will be laid down. You see, here's the big picture. We got an adversary. We got an adversary. You have an adversary. He hates you. He hates your God. He hates your children. He hates your grandchildren. And he's going to do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. But I got to tell you something. God had an answer for him. And God's answer for him was Jesus. Come on, Troy. God's answer for him was Jesus. He's the answer to the picture of who's God. And what does God look like? And how does God act? And how does God think? You look at Jesus. You don't look at the devil's work and say, well, this must define God. It doesn't define God. Now, I'm telling you, it drives me crazy. I've told you a hundred times, and before I'm dead, I'll tell you a thousand more times. It drives me crazy when we want to give diabolical works of evil, and we want to say God did it. God did not put people in a building to shoot other people. It was not the judgment of God to shoot people. The judgment of God fell upon Calvary, not a shooting of a crazed lunatic in a building. When I say that's God's judgment, Calvary was not good enough. Oh, I thank God for Calvary. Can you imagine without Calvary? Imagine it for a moment. I'm glad I'm post-Calvary. He's the adversary. He's the picture. He's the answer to the picture. He's the answer to the oppression of the adversary. He's the answer to your oppression today. Are you oppressed today? Anything oppressing you today? He's your answer. He's been oppressing your mind. He's oppressing your body. Some of you have been oppressing your finances. Some of you have been oppressing your mind. Jesus is the answer. I don't want you to turn to yourself this morning. I don't want you to turn to your self-will. I don't want you to turn to your self-power. I don't want you to, I want you to turn to Jesus. He's the answer to the authority. The devil has no place. He has no authority. The Bible says he came and destroyed that. He's the answer to the law that stood opposed to you. He's the answer to that which condemned you. He's the answer to the accuser. That's not in the courts of heaven night and day. We often spoke that. He's the accuser, brother, and he accuses them night and day. Not in heaven. Not in heaven.
He's your answer. It's funny when you look into Scripture. When you follow the Gospels through, how many people in the Gospels were able to experience Him as the answer to their situation? Woman oppressed for 18 years, here comes Jesus, set free. A leper, unclean, unloved, unlovable, set free. Answer was Jesus. The woman caught in adultery. The law of God stood against her. They were going to use the law of God to destroy her. The enemy was going to use those religious people to use the condemn. Listen to me, because listen to me. If they had, if Jesus had said to stone her, how many know then they were going to paint a picture of Jesus and God through that? And Jesus says, No, 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 no. Let me write in the dirt an addendum to the law. An addendum to the law. I'm the answer to the law. The thief on the cross. Hmm? Who was the answer? God next to him. Peter, the fallen, disgraced, failure. The one who'd been sifted. Guess who restored his future? The answer. There's an adversary that stands against you. But there's an advocate who stands for you. And his name is Jesus. Father, this morning in this house, let's do this. Just just honor me this morning for a few moments. I changed changed my direction a bit. Let's just stand with me. Let's just, just honor me for a moment. There's a lot of people, you know, we watched an election last year and there's people rally around this one and rally around that one and they rally around this person as they view to be the answer to our country and they, or they rally around Trump or they rally around Hillary or they rally around when the primary is Cal- uh, Cruz or Marco or whoever. And we rally around these people and we support these people and, and thinking that they're the answer to the direction our country needs. That's me. But let me ask you this just ask you this. Let's do something. Let's just do something for just a few moments. Would, would, would you just join me up here? Just just come on up. Let's rally around the answer. Let's rally around Jesus for just a moment. How, how many of you know this morning? How many think this morning we can just take a couple of moments and let's rally around? You see, because what I know is in this room, if you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God, or even if you're not, there's an adversary who's been working in your life. There's an adversary who's been working against you. He's there to withstand you. He's there to come against you. He's there to oppose you, to oppose your children, to oppose your... He doesn't want anything good for you. Do you know that? The source of evil in your life is your adversary. I like his shirt. His shirt says, only God can judge me. But the reason I call us all up is every one of us in this, we come from different walks. We come from different places. We have a different, some of us, we have a different income level. We have a different, there are different races in here. 
we're different genders in his way. There's all kinds of things that cause us to be separated and different. And yet there's one thing that unifies us. And we all need the answer, who is Jesus? Every one of us. Come on, come on up, come on. I haven't been spit anybody for a while. <laughs> Listen to me, right now in this atmosphere, this is what I believe. Once you close your eyes. I believe right now, Jesus wants to be the answer to your oppression. Some of you this morning, you've been oppressed by the devil long enough. You've been oppressed in your mind. You've been oppressed with addictions. And by the name of Jesus Christ, we come against and we look for those chains of addiction to be melted as wax this morning. To be melted like wax this morning. Not because a pastor prayed. Not because of anything we did. But because of what Jesus did. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy those works this morning. Father, heal minds this morning. Heal emotions this morning. Take the oppression. Break the oppression off of minds this morning. Take depression out of the equation this morning. Take anxiety out of the equation this morning. Take fear out of the equation this morning. Father, I pray this morning that there'd be a revelation in here that those who stood under the accusation of the devil day and night in their own hearts and their own minds would now know they have an advocate and an intercessor whose name is Jesus. Father, I submit to the one who's the answer. I submit my life. I submit my authority to your authority. I submit my thoughts. And I place them all under your authority.